Hello, welcome to the new podcast series, King of the Middle, with Michael Joel Green and Chris Moore. Here's Michael Green. Welcome, everybody. Thanks again for joining in. King of the Middle podcast. Podcast exploring the union of faith and also creativity, uh, the marriage of the both. Tonight's episode, we're going to be exploring surviving collaboration. What it means to collaborate with someone on an artistic project. Should you do it? Should you go solo? Uh, Whether that be music, writing, film, no matter the medium, uh, no matter the endeavor in life, actually. So that's what the focus of tonight's episode is going to be. And let's dive right in. Chris, how's it going, brother? Man, it's going it's going okay. Speaking of collaborations, uh, working on finishing a project I collaborated on with another with another friend, something very short, quick podcast that we'll you'll hear more about in this podcast later. But uh, yeah, I'm sitting in the trenches of editing, and it's my old days. Thank goodness, my old days of the past when I did this stuff for a living. Uh, I can beast go into beast mode and get through rough, terrible stuff that I hate doing more quickly than I would be if I obviously hadn't done it for years. And thank goodness, because I wouldn't be able to do this podcast now with you if I didn't have all those years of being in beast mode, doing all this technical stuff. So I'm very thankful for my past. My failures of the past have given me one success, some technical knowledge that helps <laughs> that helps me do things in my my older, less energetic age. <laughs> yeah, just, so. uh, just a little bit of a backdrop behind this. The idea for this episode came about sort of by the theme of this whole thing. Chris and I were discussing the podcast and the future of it last week, and we actually got into a, a mini argument about it. And it was a hard argument for about 20 minutes or so, and I think we finally listened to each other and what the other person was going through and actually experiencing. And sort of like we always do, Chris and I have collaborated a lot in the past, Um apologized and um and and we were good uh but it was also i came out of that thinking collaborating is hard uh Mm -hmm. when you have a project that is art art creativity is subjective one person could listen to a song think it's garbage the other person could think it's the greatest most profound piece of music ever written so when you have something subjective where there are no, there are rules, but there are not, there are not definite rules as far as you should go this direction right here. It's difficult because you have egos involved. You have differences of opinion on what will make the project better. And Chris and I will speak probably more at length about a, our audio drama comp- company that we started a few years back called Run Diesel. But I started thinking about it after our conversation last mm. week and going, you know, there's a lot of great themes here in that we're not going to separate. We're not going to, oh, well, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm quitting. So you've got to, you've got to find a way to, to work together while also respecting each other. And it made me realize collaboration, though painful it can be, is a great um, parallel to God in us, God changing us uh, through our pr- even with our pride, our egos, but wanting to be in companionship with us, 
even when we we make it hard. Uh, so I really like that. And I wanted to explore that. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, mm. And we appreciate you tuning in. Mm-hmm. And I think what's... What, oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, what, what was the first project you remember collaborating on? Um, real quick, I want to say something as part of your introduction. When you One thing that's really rare is to find one or other people to collaborate with who you feel like you become family. You can have arguments or disagreements and them, like you said, Michael, not quit. And to say, I, I think even if I have to have a heated debate, I can get through the, the disagreement and not disrespect the other person at the end of it because they have a different opinion. And a lot in the, the way the world operates, people do like, it's okay, we're done. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm going to, I can't deal with you. And I've seen that in my professional career outside of not working. We're focusing on believers, like as believers, as Christians, but I've seen people do both ways out there in the secular world in Hollywood. People who are like, okay, I can roll with the punches that people don't agree, or I can get in a real scuff dust up with somebody in a disagreement who may have power over me or somebody who's a partner and I can get through it and we're fine. And those are the people that do the amazing stuff. I've realized people who can take a beating uh, and it goes back to what we've talked about in earlier episodes of this podcast, taking failure or or being criticized and being able to triumph over it and, and accept there's legitimate criticism, uh, which is what our discussion was last week when we kind of talked about this and the amount of work that it is to actually put this, even though it may seem low budget, it's, it's a lot of work for this podcast. And the fact that we can accept that each of us, there were things that we didn't see that were bugging the other person we can get through it and say, okay, I screwed up. Uh, you're right. I'm wrong. Or you're right. I see it from your point of view. And I was, I didn't completely see it. I didn't see the full picture and it's okay. I can get through that. And I'm not going to crucify myself because I've made a mistake or multiple mistakes. Same thing for you, Michael. I've seen this over and over with you. Okay. I didn't do this the best. Uh, or I could have done something better. That's okay. I'm not going to beat myself down. I may have some, a moment. I may have a day. I may have a few days, I may have a week beating myself down, but there's a point where it becomes, I'm going to, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to go on and I'm not going to let this stop me. And I think that's a huge part of comfort collaborating. If you can find people to work with who have that attitude, who believe in you and also who you believe in, who you can get through these difficulties and even accept criticism from each other. And that's been a huge part of what led us to this podcast. And for me sitting in this seat is because of things that I've experienced, especially on the road with, with you, Michael. So I just felt like I definitely that needed to be said that there's this is a pretty deep rooted that what we're talking about this podcast goes pretty deep for us and and beyond. So, yeah. So anyway, that no, I, I wanted to say that you, you bring up a great point and it sort of this goes this trend, this goes way beyond the subject of this podcast. But you mentioned not quitting or that I had mentioned not quitting. And I think that I got married over just a little over a year ago. I got married late, and when, when getting married late, like I, I've seen I've seen a lot of divorce mm. with with friends <laughs> and loved ones. And so one thing that sticks with me more than anything it's when you make a vow to someone not to leave. It makes all the difference in the world. Going. It doesn't matter how, I mean, I'm not leaving. I'm not mm -hmm. leaving no matter what. And 
then you take it. That's the way God does with us. So, way, way, way down, God, marriage, and then way, way down here is an artistic project. You know, ins- maybe insignificant <laughs> in the long run, but important to us in the moment. And to there isn't the same value take, obviously, to I'm going to work on an album with this person. But there's still that idea of, you know, I'm not, my feelings are hurt. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to walk out of the room, you know, and not come back. I, I've always, man, how many bands that we grew up with? You've got, usually it's two. <laughs> it's usually a guitar player and a singer for the most part, or a bass player. And they have this magical chemistry together. And they make five, six, seven great albums that become sort of staples of, of your, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Become like uh, soundtracks to your life. Mm. And then <laughs> yeah. what always ends up happening, you know, they break up, one goes solo, and then they get back together 20 years later for the reunion tour. And you realize, man, their ego, they couldn't get past that. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. I mean, because you and I, I mean, Chris and I worked, we're, we'll get into this later probably, but you and I worked on writing a, an audio drama script together. And it was wonderful. I mean, we had so much fun writing it. We would get together in a room. We were roommates at the time. We'd pace the floor writing. Uh, but then trying to make revisions or say this part doesn't work. Oh my gosh, it's painful because your 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 confidence, you're you're guarding your confidence. And to hear someone say that part of your stunk, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it's very hard and it's hard to stick to that. And it's hard to uh it's hard to, you know, give each other a hug and say I love you after that and get and get back to it. And you're a man with a big heart. So, and we, I, I think we both understand this that when somebody says, especially somebody that you're, you respect and who you're working with says, I don't think that that's that great. Uh, it is, it's like a personal, we mentioned this um, in the podcast with Lawrence about killing your darlings. I brought it up when he was talking about kids and you, your kid comes in the world and you love it. And I was like, yeah, kind of like you do with your art. You bring something into the world and then it becomes your darling. It becomes a living part of you. You, you hope that it gets out in the world and actually affects people's lives, but sometimes it doesn't exist beyond a Word doc file or notes on a notepad or whatever. But yeah, it, it's caring enough to say, I'm not going to abandon you, but also as I've been learning later in life it, through through just actually being in Christian therapy and understanding just even more how broken I am than I thought I was. I'm even 10 times more broken. It's like, oh, okay, I've had a little bit of an easier time, not that much easier, but easier saying, okay, I can accept and see where I'm wrong and where I'm stubborn and where things have to be my way and where I've always put my identity in my whatever I was doing, I put my identity in that. And if it didn't work out perfectly or somebody criticized, I was like, this criticized the core of my soul. And that's wrong. That's a totally wrong point of view. And when you're working in collaboration, when a few years ago, when we were working on that project, you said we're working on this audio drama that was also someday we're hoping to have it as a, a novel. Um, we, I was not in that place. I was not prepared yet to be in a place where I could work on something that I really cared about. And then have somebody come to me, a friend 
and it wasn't just you there we have another friend we're working with and say man i just don't believe it or i just don't like that or i'm just not into that it's like oh my gosh this is it's it's killing your darlings and having to let go and say my my intellect that's another thing my smarts and my creativity are not tarnished by the fact that others said that's not great i want to be i want to be like kobe bryant was with I think I mentioned this. Kobe Bryant was with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan mentioned in the eulogy for Kobe Bryant. He just came at him and said, "I can be better. What are what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? What can how can I get better?" To the point where Michael Jordan said he was totally, completely like, "Get away from me, kid! You're bugging me too much about it." And and of course everybody laughed in the eulogy about that. But I, I think boy, there's a lot to learn about wanting to get better and saying it's okay i know i'm not great and i have a lot of ideas that are not great and things that could be better and there are some things that i think are great that other people aren't going to see the same way and that's okay i can accept that too but i it, i don't have to take realizing being told and, and then realizing oh, i had some bad ideas or or whatever I, that should not be personalized but the enemy does that he makes us internalize this stuff to make it so important that we can't possibly get anything done and that's again that's why i want to do this podcast as part of a ministry call to say please other artists you i know there must be people who are struggling like us struggling like me with serious having a major effect on my view and image of myself rather than putting it in the lord and saying it's okay if i'm not as smart and as great and as talented as i want to be i'm loved by the lord and i'm going to try to do what i can with the gifts he gave me and just accept that I'm constantly going to have to get better. I'm never going to be great. I'm always going to be working. Uh, it, it'll never happen, and th and that's a freeing. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah. It's, you mentioned the uh, the my, uh, Jordan Kobe thing. I don't know if you had a chance to see the Jordan documentary yet. I have not uh, though. But amazing documentary, by the way. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about it. Yeah. On one hand, you're in awe of. The accomplishments, the talent, the mm -hmm. drive, and on the other hand, I'm watching that with sympathy or even sadness for the man because Jordan was so obsessed with winning at all cost mm. that, and he knew that he was the best. Mm -hmm. So it was never a collaboration; it was mm. drill sergeant to soldier, and. I, I'm I'm speculating here, but mm -hmm. I'm guessing that he didn't have many friends. Uh, there's Close, actually yeah. a couple of clips where he actually mm. like alludes to himself as God and Jesus to mm. those teammates of his. Mm. So I think that is a trade-off right there. The mm -hmm. if you had a chance to be the very 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 best, most successful, mm. most applauded but it came at the expense of relationships, your integrity, um, mm -hmm. making you think you are a God, um, mm -hmm. what would you do? What would you choose? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Uh, and then you can't collaborate. He wasn't a collaborator at the, in those yeah. times when he had that big ego, that I know, uh, because it becomes the you show. And then you can't collaborate, and then you don't inspire people around you to want to be as great as they can be. Instead, it's just about you, and it's so destructive that, yeah, yeah, it, we're trying to avoid that. But we have a, our innate human tendency is to be that, what Jordan, what you're saying yeah. in the documentary. That's without God, that's what we want to do. <laughs> we but be. it's also, I think, for 
for me as a 25 year old, mm -hmm. I was going to be the exception. I was going to be, <laughs> I was going to get mm -hmm. the, I was going to have the accomplishments while still having the humility and the, uh, the witness. Okay. So for me, some of the earliest collaborations that I had were with people who I either I knew or I knew them through, um, I knew them through people who I had gone to school with. And there are a couple of cases where I wound up working with people. In the first case, I worked with somebody who was making uh, a documentary, mul multiple short ones, but then one longer form one. And that I believed in both the person and I believed in the project when uh, laid out on paper what it was. And I wound up working with this person, I think on and off. And at a certain point I was working almost part-time to near full-time some weeks um, on this documentary, but it became apparent to me, this is a long-term project. It doesn't have an end. It doesn't have, it doesn't have a clear set of goals and how it's going to end, how it's going to even come together and be worth, and to be something that's even going to be worth all this time based on my point of view at the time when I was looking at it, I was like, there's, it's kind of this cloud and it's not really shaped clearly. And then also I thought, I don't even know how this is, if this, with all this work going into it, if it's ever going to be seen by anybody. So I got to a point on that project where as a believer, this person was a believer too. I just had to say, I've got to move on because I've got work. I've actually found some work and it's working with people they're not believers but it's a real salary job and a real professional position and i have to go do it and that wasn't the easiest to tell this person and that person was gracious but was still like what can i do to convince you to stay to keep working and literally it was like there's nothing because this project doesn't have an end it could this project could go on and on and it turns out i looked the project up a couple months ago and i was like i wonder whatever happened with that thing and that person that person moved away from california and it took them eight more years before that project was done and that was exactly my point that collaborating sometimes your heart is in a place where i want to work with people but you have to have the smarts and the business savvy to say is this worth my time for ministry purposes is it worth my time just the relationship with this person or is it and is it worth my time for my career you have to weigh those to see what's the most important. But the one thing that no matter which of these things, career and learning and ministry with your relationship to the person directly, what you do at the end, you have to say, I have to handle this in a godly manner. It doesn't matter what the answer is of these three, that the answer is no. And I don't know if I'd give you, I don't think you can take a formula that says if two of these three things, ministry, relationship, and pay, it's two out of three, like the cheap, fast, and good. You can only have two of them. I'm not even saying that I know what the formula one could be enough for you to say, yes, I'll do it. But when it comes time to say, this is it, it's having restore, keeping that relationship intact in as much as possible, being godly about it is the most important. And that was one of the earlier lessons I learned from surviving collaboration. And then I had another situation with somebody who I worked with uh, similar believer and we had some success because we worked on a documentary series that did air on tv it aired on limited run on some pbs stations across the country but we got to the end of this thing and financially i was it was just i liked this project it was on comedians and and content from the turn of the 20th century and the early 1900s it was chaplin and buster keaton and all these guys and 
I really like what the project was about, but it was clear to me, this is not a career making, I'm not going to make enough money. I'm not going to make enough money to even pay my bills, let alone build a career on, on doing this kind of project. So we did some limited, we, we did a couple series and then it was, I was like, I've got to go get paying work again in an industry job. And cause I always dipped in and out of industry jobs things are always changing and in flux and i was always working as a freelancer or limited run at a company and then would move on um so it was very interesting that again i had to learn i want to i want to maintain our friendship because i believe in you and what you're doing but financially and for my career this isn't going to help me anymore at this point i have got to get more stable in my life and my career so so anyway those are two early examples of things that happen where I I believe that I maintained integrity because one of the friends I still talk with him and I'm still hoping to get to see him soon, uh, and I've and that these projects were over almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago. Um, but so anyway, Michael, do you have examples possibly from your music days where you you you, you navigated these relationships? <laughs> Man, I've I love collaboration. Um... I've always I've always loved it. It's 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 budding heads, but it's so wonderful, uh, especially when you find my earliest one. I think was my first band in Seattle, which I think I've mentioned on this show before. Uh, my buddy, my friend of mine, Jason. We I just moved to Seattle. Didn't know a person there. Had never sung in a band before, but that was my that was my dream. And I found I found this guitar player, Jason, and we formed a band. And it was man it. I would write the lyrics, uh, and I would write the melody lines, and he would write the the, uh, the guitar parts and the music. And we had a great we had a great connection, man. Um, we we could write some good songs together. And I would spend. I mean, I just, I remember being like at IHOP at two in the morning some nights, just pot of coffee and writing lyrics. You know? uh, I wasn't I wasn't I was too raw of a singer back then, and. So after, I think we were together, I think our band was together maybe a year, maybe less, but I, I had not progressed as much as they wanted me to have, and so they asked me to leave. And that was, that was crushing, man. Um, they asked me if I wanted to play guitar in the band and get a new singer, and I refused. Um, uh, looking back, tons of, tons of regret over that move. That was a lot of, that was some ego right there. But... Uh, Jason and I actually stayed extremely, extremely tight friends. And when I moved to LA, I ended up living with him and his wife for the first four months until I found an apartment here. So we're still, we still talk. We do a weekly, uh, weekly Bible study with with Jason and Chris and uh, three other guys. So we're extremely tight. I I then um, formed a new band that was pretty much three other. Uh, people playing my songs uh, so I was a soul writer uh, and it was fine I didn't have um, I didn't have the the uh, the networking side I've never been a good networker uh, and uh, a go-getter I've been the I want to stay home and write a song kind of mentality which is not the way to go if you're pursuing a career in music or film or acting or writing <laughs> you if you don't do that other part you're not gonna do anything but we were together and we played we played some good shows i think 
that I was writing mostly just like my band with Jason we were heavy I mean we were pretty we were really hard and now I go to I'm writing all the songs on an acoustic guitar and playing sort of ballady type stuff and it was great I loved being kind of the songwriter and the but I don't know I with two of the people ended up moving out of town or something so we, we split up and then uh I I took that bass player and we tried to form another band and we ended up with one of my other best friends, this guy John, and we formed a band. But here's I think here's the here's the takeaway. It's whoever wrote the song was gonna get to sing it. And John was writing kind of more of the style we were into, which at the time was you know, post post pumpkins, but still loving some pumpkins, sunny day real estate, you know, all these bands. <laughs> It's a little harder than the stuff I was doing, so my ego was sort of deflated because I think I got to sing one, two songs that I had written that actually fit the style. But for the most part, John was doing most of the singing. I was doing backing vocals, and it was—I loved it. I mean, our voices blended really nicely together. But that was me finally at the point to where I don't have to be the frontman singer. Uh, in this band, we were writing some really good songs. Um, and then John ended up, his band from Redding, California, moved back to Seattle. And they asked him to, to be in it again. So we ended up breaking up uh, because he rejoined that band. And then I moved to LA. Uh, so that was kind of my, my musical co uh, collaborations, which have been, have been trying, but they've been really great. Because uh, when you can there is truly a creative zone that happens mm -hmm. when, you know, it's usually on stage or even just jamming, but when you hit that zone and that, you can't even explain it, but next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Where did that guitar part come from? Oh my gosh, I love that right there, put that in there. Uh, I would carry just, I there was this was before digital, I would have like a little handheld cassette tape players and I'd string them up before each practice to record the practices. And I would go all week long just listening to old practice tapes, just trying to mine for the smallest mm -hmm. nugget of, of <laughs> melody or whatever. But when you find that, it's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. And you were working with people who were believers, which is great because you, you had a similar heart for the projects. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't beat that. We would, do, we would do Bible studies before practice. That was pretty cool. I remember. Uh, I think that was that was in the band with Jason. Yeah, we would do a Bible study beforehand, and and then we would turn the amps up really loud and blast everybody out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> How does that differ from any experiences collaborating you had where you didn't work with believers? Maybe it wasn't even in music. Oh. Probably when I started writing uh, novel, not book wise. I, uh, I I I always have worked day jobs. Uh, nine to five cubicle uh, corporate mm -hmm. uh, cubicle jobs and I was in LA I was playing music uh, but I was also acting and I worked doing a benefits administration uh, a lot of paper pushing for this company in Santa Monica and I had a work contact who worked for I, I would I was being in charge of like employees health benefits so I would work with insurance carriers and stuff and I had a contact from our our insurance carrier who was this uh, this 
single mother that lived up sort of near the, the Nevada border in Northern California, up near the mountains. And we were work contacts for probably three years, but we were email buddies. And she was the most brilliantly creative, imaginative person I've ever known, could just pull brilliant ideas out of thin air. <laughs> uh, so we would spend our days, and both of us probably had too much, it was probably slow at work, but we would spend our days emailing, kind of making up song lyrics for to each other. Um, she would read some of my memoir type writing and, and, and comment on it and stuff. And this is at the point where I was, I loved acting. I mean, being on stage, being in that moment, you know, when you literally can do, you feel like you can do anything you want in the pin drop silence. But the uh, the frustration that comes with it, the the frustration, the driving 40 hours a week in standstill traffic mm-hmm. to do a 30-second audition for a casting director that never even looks at you. These things, uh, they death by a thousand paper cut kind of stuff. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I was sort of at that mode where I was really, really burned out of that side of it and I got into work one morning and there was an email from this woman um, saying here's what we're gonna do today I'm gonna write uh, I'm gonna write a paragraph of the story then you write the next paragraph and then we're just gonna take turns writing the next paragraph so she had written a paragraph about a about a 12 year old boy that sees a monster on a school bus so I was like (laughs) okay cool so I kind of wrote a little paragraph you know and sent it back to her she back and forth back and forth uh the that end of that day we had we had like probably five pages written or so i don't remember but we kept we kept it going the next day and then we kind of realized this is really awesome i love what's going on here uh let's keep going with this so we stopped doing the alternating paragraphs and i would take you know a chapter or a scene and she would as well but by two weeks we had probably 50 pages and so i I sent it to a buddy of ours who is a screenwriter. I was like, "Am I crazy, or is there some, is this pretty good?" And he he wrote me back and he's, "Mike, you got to keep going with this. This is a really cool." So that kind of allowed me to quit acting to start a, a writing career. Mm-hmm. Uh, the relationship that should have that was the real story. Probably, uh, we had never met. We had been email buddies for three and a half years. I literally had never seen her. Didn't even. I wouldn't have been able to pick her out in a room of five people. Uh, so, but yet we had developed this relationship over email and work contact. So we started writing this book together, and uh, we we started fighting a lot. Uh, she she had she had had a tough life, and I think for her it was. An, uh, an escape when she needed an escape. Um, it's got to be fun or she's not going to do it. And I was looking at it like, this is it. This is my shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I became very taskmaster-like, uh, wanting to put us on a writing schedule. And for her, it was, well, if I feel like it, all right, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think there was mm-hmm. also that sort of you're developing or forming – a relationship where you you're, you're you're not getting the whole picture of the person so we had been 
buddies for three and a half years. And next thing you know, we're trying to have these writing phone calls and stuff, and we're just fighting because I can't get her to work. I, she's not giving me what I need, and for her it was she's seeing this other side of me that is shattering mm. this picture of me and stuff. So we, we, ended, up, uh, we ended up splitting up. Uh, now there was a lot of drama with that. That's, that's a story in itself. Uh, but for me, we had already, we had too much written. So I, I was like, I can't, I can't get, I can't quit this. But I didn't think there was any way in the world I could ever write a novel by myself. I'd never done it before. But I couldn't quit it. So I kept going and it finished. Uh, now it was, the whole book was schizophrenic. I mean, her writing style was all fun, probably written for about two or three years younger. I was, everything to me was I have to be having people weeping yeah. and crying, <laughs> melodramatic at every turn. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it was very, it was very, the differences were glaring. So, you know, it's but it, it was it was a great it was a great lesson, uh, but relationally I'm not getting into a lot of it. But it was really hard because we would you saw a relationship sever uh, and mm-hmm. be torn apart because of your trying to collaborate on something creative, and you didn't have well you are right we didn't have the shared faith uh, to. I was a man, single man. She was a single woman. We had never even, I'd never even seen her face to face. We probably shouldn't have, we might have not, it might have not been healthy for us to be in such a intimate relationship such as writing a book together. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's that we, that was the end of a, of a, of a, really a friendship. Uh, I'll, I'll be at a non one one strictly based on a, a digital yeah a project it was based on a project and that is something where if you don't have the tie the ability to connect in that way spiritually it's more of a risk that something like this is going to happen and the only one of the few circumstances where i worked with people who were other than when I was working in the industry, when I actually did freelance work, one of the few times I did anything with somebody who was not a believer is a couple of guys who were really fun. One guy was from New York. This other guy was a writer out here and they were doing spec commercial spots because they wanted to get out and do commercials. And they started doing a film and I was help. I helped them on a bunch of projects. And the reason I almost forgot about them, but I've been going through old tapes, looking at projects I've done either with other people or projects that I did on my own or or just old editing projects and all kinds of stuff. And I pulled up this tape that had the work I did with them. I was like, oh yeah, I, every now and then, like every eight years or so, I'll think, I wonder what happened to those guys. Because um, the interesting thing about it was they were really fun, creative. We were working on short projects, we got along like the way you would dream of working with fellow Christians. But just one day, all of a sudden, I just never heard from them again. We were working on something and then that was it. And I know it wasn't like I'm not doing a good job for them because I wasn't charging them next to anything. And it was at a time when I was between jobs, between industry jobs, and we had fun and stuff was coming out well and, and they always liked it. So and then I found out later, well, one of the guys went back to his family business. He he decided that it was this time in Hollywood was up. And the other guy had other stuff going on, but I just never heard from them. And that was also kind of a this sense of when you're working with people you don't have deep ties with 
season from them just walk away. You may never hear from them again. As far as I know, did you ever, have you ever heard from the woman that you were co-writing that book? Yeah. So it, it, these things can break and that's why we're called as, you know, in our walk to do better than that, to, to, to be better, to, to try to keep these relationships intact, even if we have disagreements. And I think that what I know of you and I, and what we're talking about in this podcast, I think we've done a decent job of that with our fellow believers, people that we really have relationship with, with that are beyond the project that are beyond the project. Um, but man, it's tough regardless. It's tough navigating this stuff. And again, when you put your heart on the line and somebody says, I'm not there. So, you know, we've, we've worked on this audio podcast project before we started. We're working on a book a number of books, but we're working on a book series where we talk about modern contemporary issues and we're doing Bible, some Bible study stuff that goes with it. And we're doing, we've done some audio dramas with a, with a friend, a partner, and we're trying, we're going to do some audio book versions of this stuff that we're writing. But we worked for years for the, this audio drama company. And we came up against some of those issues where we're not all on the same page with what we wanted to do, not only in the story, or were we all at times in sync, like two of us might agree and one doesn't, and then two do agree, and then the other guy doesn't agree. And plus we had thrown in the mix that one of our, with our, our buddy got, found out that he had cancer, why we're in the middle of this thing. And it, it, it we never completely recovered from that because he's got to look out for his life and his health. He can't, he can't be stressed out about starting a company dealing with the things he's dealing with. Yeah. So, but it was interesting because and even even dash there agrees <laughs> yeah that was that's hard stuff man i i do i think though it's very easy to kind of warn against the uh the pitfalls but i think as we're trying to wrap things up man let's i, I want to really hammer on mm-hmm. especially for friends mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Or even not, especially for people that that share a common goal, share a common faith. What are the benefits of collaboration? Mm-hmm. Yeah, benefits. That's a great question because my, I definitely have experienced a lot of good. The project that you and I were on before we've gone off working together on this podcast mm-hmm. and on authoring some projects together. You know, I we came into this project with audio drama, and I've never put myself out there with my storytelling in this way. I mentioned in the past, in past podcast that I did a student film, twenty minute long film that I, I did in grad school, shot on film, post production, everything, and never released it because I was too scared of what people would think. That they think, ah, oh, he's not that smart. This guy's not that sharp. He's pretty dim witted. He did this project, and it kept me for years from ever trying to release any music, anything that I was working on and tinkering with. It kept me from every kind of creative endeavor of any particular value other than, okay, I'm pretty decent at editing. But the thing about editing is most of the time I'm working on other people's stuff and I'm working with other people. So I have a fallback. It's not just on me. I'm not really showing you, I'm showing you what I'm capable of in some projects I've co-created, but mostly there's a protection. doesn't matter if it's not the greatest. It's not just me, but when I started working with, with you and our, and our buddy, uh, I had to start putting stuff out that I was writing and thinking, man, this is expressing what I think about the world. And I'm passionate about this. And then ideas would get shot down and I would just be like, 
no, no, I have to argue until I'm blue in the face why I'm right. And what I learned because of what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, when you're working with friends who you who really care for you and you care about them and you know you're not going to quit, there is something to be said for how you can eventually you learn, hopefully if your relationship survives that working relationship, you realize I can let my guard down and say, okay, I, we can disagree and I can do things your way. I don't have to do yeah. them my way. I can, and the great thing that came from working with, with you over the years, and that includes more recently when we've been writing is taking some criticisms from you sometimes that were very compassionate, but very intense. And I was like, my initial reaction, I want to say, oh man, is this really just the way you do things or is this right? And there are quite a few things that you've helped me with in the last couple of years where it was like, no, you're right. I I need the criticism that I'm getting from somebody who really does want to see me succeed because it is helping me to become better at, at using the gifts God gave me. Now, whether I'm going to make a living doing that or not, I don't know. But in my walk, it's changing me as a person because it's helping me in every aspect, including being married and being able to deal with criticism in my marriage and say, okay, I'm not doing everything perfectly well. I have better, there's better potential for me to be who I can be, that God wants me to be, that I'm not there and I'm going to be on that constant journey until I'm dead. But it's okay that I'm not there. It's okay that my talent isn't where I want it to be. It's okay that I'm not perfect. And learning that and the the amount of pressure that, that comes off your shoulders when you start to accept letting your guard down and saying, I'm not going to take my identity and stash it in what I'm doing. I'm going to let go and say, okay, let me take criticism for what I'm doing. Let me take criticism for my work. Let me take criticism. And it, and it spills out into relationships in many different degrees, not just creative ones. And there's great stuff to be learned. And if you can work with other believers who care about you, who are going to work with you and say, I want you to succeed. I'm going to give you criticism because we need to sharpen each other, but I'm, but I'm, but I, but I care. That is the biggest benefit. And I've seen in the last two years, probably more than anything, two to three years, a huge change in the way my brain works and the way I see the world because of working with believers, which happens to be you and and one of our other buddies and more than anybody else. And that is, for me, that is the biggest thing that I've gained from it. So what do you think, how well, things work for you? You know, I, I want to just really quickly add in there, you know, I, I remember when we were writing that script together and you were, and we were also roommates, you would be writing at the table or even editing because you did all the sound design and, and I'd look over and you would have tears running down your, your face. Because what you were you were working on was moving you so much, and I I that was great to see because that was when when that happens you know like oh that was from the gut that was from the heart that was some good stuff uh, so there were there were some really great times when I would look over and see see you just move to tears um uh, hmm. you know I think for that. I've got a dog jumping on me right now. Um, he's going to be the star of this show. You should makes, show people. I'm trying. Show he won't let me pick okay. him up right now. He's just biting my hand. Uh, he's, 
he's and you know, there, I, that's perfect example of collaboration amen, not going to yes. do what i want you to do, not gonna do i'm sure what i want is is right and what you're but you're still going to get against fed me tonight you're still going to we're still going to take <laughs> you for a walk in the morning uh good old um, dash is the perfect metaphor for incredible. this conversation i'm going to get a, one of these episodes he's going to sit with me but mm -hmm. uh <laughs> probably i mean when you're collaborating with someone like-minded and there's stuff you come up with that you you're adding double the talent i mean so by definition you've got double the talent and double the creativity going the the potential for something really really magical is there uh, and that's now i i write i write novels most of those are very solo endeavors uh efforts excuse me mm -hmm. so i'm not at all saying that I mean, some of our favorite musicians are solo artists. So I'm not at all. I'm just saying that when you add that other like mind who has mm -hmm. equal, if not more, talent than you, you, there's a real, there's some real potential there. Two, um, you just make really good relationships. Um, I mean, assuming I didn't know, I didn't know Jason before I moved to Seattle and saw an ad in a music newspaper. I didn't know anybody, but yet I'm, I made all of these friendships in Seattle that I, whom I still, with whom I still keep up with, mm -hmm. um, because of this collaboration and, and desire to collaborate, uh, are the times that you and I and uh, Tom have worked together, you know, yeah, there's been some butting heads, but man, the memories you make, and mm -hmm. also just the 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 bond the the intimacy you form with the other and it's just brotherhood man so you know there's a lot of other stuff the advantages I could go on you develop a thicker skin mm -hmm. because of what you're saying uh i was always very thin-skinned way back when i couldn't even listen to myself on tape or cassette or cd you know my voice or whatever be i even acting, I, I didn't want to watch what I, you know, because there's so much judgment and uh, um, self self doubt yeah. there. But when you're collaborating with someone, like you have to take, you they have they give you feedback, just like you've been saying, and yep. you have to learn to take that. Yep. And so when you would give me feedback on a, the, you know our our projects, it's you know there are times when it stings, of course, but now I think. You know, I, I, I think we probably both are getting to the point where I have to have that. So I know for you, both of us, I know. It's like any time I write something, it's like, here, the people I respect, whose opinion I, whose opinion I respect, have at it. You know, shred it if you have to. And, yeah. and that's a great, like God wants us to be at that place. You know, it's, I think, I think in all walks of life, we need a, an accurate inventory of you know what is that Paul in the Bible says? Like, do not think you think of yourself more highly than you ought. I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> I'm sure, but mm -hmm. yeah, in every in area of your life, like we should not be thinking of ourselves higher than we ought. So, I know how much work I have as a spouse to really love my wife. I know how I have not loved God with all my heart. I know how I have not loved my neighbor as myself. And even in artistic, creative, creative collaborations, uh, this teaches me. This teaches us how to 
how to love each other even when you're banging heads. I mean, you and I, yeah, we we uh, we come to blows every now and then, not physically, but yeah. but yeah, we'll go out. <laughs> We'll go out to the bar and have a drink, and we're 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 right as rain as soon as we leave, you know. So, you know, th- I think you need, are, yeah, I think that's good to have relationships where, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be surrounded with people who just agree. And I would say one thing as we're wrapping up, though, boy, it's hard to find people that will actually. It, you'd think, oh, it's easy to get people to criticize your work. Well, believe it or not. It's actually not that easy true. to find Very people true. who are willing to to be on your side and say, okay, well, let me look at what you're doing and give you uh, opinions. It's actually amazing. And of course, when you're writing, I get it because if you start handing people books and say, can you read and tell me what you think of this? It's hard enough for people to have time to sit down and watch 40 minutes of TV, an episode of TV at night for some people, let alone look at a book that might take you 10 hours to read or eight hours. Um, so I think that's one thing too. Uh, hopefully we'll be through this podcast encouraging people to connect maybe they'll connect through us through our social connections and social media uh to find people to work with and find people to to help and even be willing to just be a critical eye in a compassionate way and i would say one thing i learned from working that's a trick a, a tip that i learned from working um with others especially with you and our buddy tom was I stopped saying, I'm just going to, when it comes to telling a story, I'm just going to stop trying to write my story and just submit it and say, what do you think? I'm going to start doing treatments, outlines first, and then treatments and go through a three-tier process where I say, here's an outline. Here's a treatment for what I'm going to do if it's more than a few page story. And then and then I'll write it and then I'll say, give me notes. However, I don't expect radical notes after the treatment notes and being brutalized you know, through that to then say, you know, I really don't like your story or this or that. I'm like, well, there's nothing I can do about that because that's why I went through the outline and then the treatment phase, which is pretty gnarly. Uh, so it's helped me to also learn techniques how to let go easier, which is not doing the committing to the whole project until I've talked it over with somebody in some detail and also taking time, taking a break. I was talking to a friend recently, a few weeks ago that for me, I found out that from writing at least one, two, three weeks, letting something sit is pretty good time to be able to let go. Sometimes just a week, sometimes three weeks or four is good. And then if it's more than four or five weeks, that makes it a lot easier to say, I don't care how much work I put in it. If I have to throw 50% of this thing away, I got to throw it away because I'm not married to it anymore. But you can't, the worst thing to do when you're taking criticism and collaborating with others and taking loving criticism is to say, I just wrote this, I put all this work into it, I just can't possibly change it. You've got to, you've got to distance yourself in any trick and tip technique way that you can, mental gymnastics to let yourself let go. Time is good and treatments are a good way to work around that issue. <laughs> I would highly recommend yeah. that to people. Yeah, so. and you're touching on some subjects that might be separate podcasts yep. in themselves yep. one yep. how to get honest feedback uh, yep and two, how to take it i mean you and i yep. uh, we know a, we know a guy who was a writer screenplay guy and he wrote a screenplay years years ago um and got some pretty harsh feedback and would not accept it plowed forward making this film that you know uh, and didn't do too yeah. well and yeah he, I think his comment to the a couple of the people that gave him feedback were, "You just don't get it," or something like that. So mm-hmm. that's a classic line that a lot of people. Yeah, and I've been there. And I've people. been there myself. Uh, yep. You know, the hard thing is, and again, this is probably separate podcast episode, yep. but yep. honest feedback. I mean, yep, 
your friends are always going to tell you yep oh good it was oh it was good for you kind of thing because yep they don't want they don't want to hurt your feelings yeah uh, and and we love them for that uh yeah. but you're you're talking now about you've got to create something that is good enough that has to be good enough to actually should should god bless it or you know should the opportunity come it's got to be good enough to to hit to reach an audience mm-hmm. and, and you have to be aware sorry i'll interrupt that yeah yeah you have to be aware too that the flip side of the the good criticism is the prophet is never respected in his own town you can use his mindset i just amongst my friends if they don't like it and yeah. people are giving me bad criticism it's like i'm a prophet in a town <laughs> i'm not saying that your the work is prophetic work i'm just saying it's a creative work and you that i've found myself in that trap before too like you're never respected in your hometown so to speak quote yeah, unquote hometown meaning in your family and you have to be careful because that's not true no, so that's good subject matter for another for it another is, it discussion is. It's, it's, Absolutely. Our way of, it's our way of protecting ourselves uh but i we're gonna close it but i want to i just want to one of the one of the reasons we're doing this is because we're not talking about we're talking about making a living with this, mm-hmm. which is something we've been trying to do for a long time, uh, most of my professional life. So this isn't, you know, we're not trying talking about how to just have a hobby. Uh, if we were, then okay is good enough. But we're not. We're, we're talking about how to have a, how to have a vibrant faith and to have walking with God, trusting in God, while also pursuing a career in these creative fields. And so that's what we're talking about here. And so when we're talking about feedback, and so you've got to find those that are understand that. So they actually have to be knowledgeable enough and professional enough to know, and if something isn't good, why is it not good? And then you have to have the softness of heart not to defend yourself and actually just say, oh, yeah, that's not good enough. Then I have to go and rework that. And I would argue that even if you're not going to make a career from it, that's still our mindset is you make something as great as it can be. In other words, make it powerful, make it good. Don't accept "Eh, it's okay," or that's the best, whatever it can be. That's actually what we're trying to not do. We're saying, I don't care if you never get paid but you want it to be as good enough that you could be getting paid for what you're doing. That's that I think is our mindset. What we're going to be talking about is be excellent or, you know, then you can doodle, but that's not what we're talking about noodling around. So if, uh, if you want to send us out, uh, I think, I think we have, we'll continue this conversation in a future podcast or vidcast. (laughs) We have a lot to talk about. That's true. Well, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, This has been another episode of King of the Middle, and we will see you next week. Have a great, great week, rest of the week, and a great weekend. Yes, God bless, and thank you, and adios for now. Amen. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to King of the Middle with Michael Joe Green and Chris Moore. Check us out on YouTube or Facebook if you'd like to see the vidcast version of this podcast. 